are back, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of What The Football Podcast. It is season four. It is episode 10. Yes, that's right. We've brought you 10 cracking episodes since the start of the 21-22 season. And talking about cracking starts, it was a cracking start to the weekend. We had Arsenal taking on Leicester. And let me tell you, I have never seen Wade more happier or happier in all my life. Arsenal put Leicester to the sword within 20 minutes to effectively wrap that game up. A clean sheet, and that's now seven unbeaten for Mikel Arteta. Burnley have also recorded a great win against Brentford. I believe it's their first win of the season, if I'm not mistaken. And they have finally got the monkey off the back. Is Cornet the actual game changer for them? Liverpool dropped points at home against Brighton, which was an interesting one. This was gazumped by Man City, losing to, of course, none other than Crystal Palace, who seemed to be their hoodoo team. Chelsea extended their lead at the top of the table with the 3-0 win. And, of course, we had Al Sakiko. What a game that turned out to be, with literally one manager being sacked, just as Rudd's predicted. So where do we start this week? Um, guys, a hell of an interesting week. Of course, I'm joined by my... My co-host Rudds and Wade, all the way from Melbourne. Gents, welcome back. What a crazy week in football. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back, uh, Connell. Yeah, some interesting results. And, you know, as a result, some interesting decisions made by certain teams. So looking forward to unpacking it all. <laughs> I hope you're not talking about United's decision to stick with the man. The main <laughs> man at the wheel. He's at the wheel. Let him keep on going. <laughs> Let's have our hands together because the drama continues, the the roller coaster continues, the, the the calamity or the calamitous appointment of the man continues. So I know it's going to keep you boys entertained. Whether whether your team wins or lose, you know Connell's coming here for back of top points. He's, he looks even happier than he did last week, and he won five 0 What the hell is going on? Oh, I tell you what, Raj, you know it's. It's tw- it's 20 years of pain I've had to endure as a, watching United <laughs> win titles and to see the uh, the 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 schmozzle that's unfolding there is uh, is quite a thing especially given this morning's results you know again Cristiano Ronaldo we're not going to dive into the Champions League result but saves the day and uh, I think I saw a meme come through from you of uh, Ronaldo dragging him through uh, as yeah. always but you know what maybe a great way to start El Sakico It delivered. We had a manager sacked. Nuno is no-no, and he is gone. Um, I guess I wanted to play a little bit of audio from uh, Jamie Carragher and just see what you guys, uh, what do you guys make of this, and do you agree? Of the Spurs manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, just 10 Premier League games into his reign. You always said, Jamie, that you didn't feel that it was the perfect fit. Nuno with Spurs. Can you understand why they acted so soon? Yes, I can. And I can never almost justify coming on this show or any show and speaking about a manager losing his job after 10 games, certainly 10 10 Premier League games. It doesn't feel right. But I don't think Nuno at Spurs have felt right. And what I would say is I don't feel this is a, a bad sacking. I think it was a bad appointment initially. Very interesting comments there. And Rads, I'm going to come to you. You know, you've always been someone who's put it out there from the start. And I'll give you credit for it. You've never felt that this appointment in the first place was right. And it was basically doomed from day one. So what do you make of Jamie Carragher's uh, comments? And, you know, is is it the right decision given that it's only 10 games in? Have they done the right thing? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that you add to it. You know, what plays into the decision is who is available. So who is coming through the door at the expense of the manager that's in the seat. And if you look at it and Conte's coming in, you you can only applaud the decision. Um, Conte is an elite manager. I don't think there's any question about that. He's up there with the Klopp's, the Guardiola's, the Tuchel's. Um, you know, he's come in first season at Chelsea. He's won, he's won titles everywhere. Um, you know, he's he's a winner. He's, he can transform away team plays. He's, he's only been sacked by Chelsea. Everywhere else he's walked away. And I know there's, you know, United um, have been putting it out that they didn't want him because they feel that 
he can be a toxic influence similar to what Jose was, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's different. I think he holds a team or, or a club to account where they've made him promises that they don't deliver on, which is a different situation to, to Mourinho, where Mourinho blows things up. So um, absolutely fantastic appointment by Spurs, in my opinion. I think that that takes him to an, another level. Um, he'll need to build his own team and he'll have time. Uh, we'll see how long he, he stays in that role for. But Nuno was never the right man. You know, when, when they... When they went through the process of replacing the manager, he was down the list. I think he was fourth or fifth choice. They went through, they wanted Conte, he was their first choice. Um, originally, that didn't happen. All of a sudden, Gattuso was in the picture. Then he started talking about Fonseca. Then they, you know, there, there was a, a host of other names before they even got to Nuno, who just seemed so happy to take it, given that there was a mutual parting of ways at Wolves. And I think with the Wolves, it had come to its natural conclusion. He was good for them in the championship. He he was able to make them solid in the back, play a brand of football that worked for this, the, the quality of players they had. Um, they dominated the league. They got promoted justly. And, um, and they had some really good results in their first season. The Wolves fans started to turn on him, however, was when they started in, to have a significant investment in the playing team and the performances are not matching that. So you don't want to be, be a pragmatic team that sits back and defends when you've got quality star players where you be, you're looking at teams like Brighton and others that are going on the front foot and like, well, we got the quality in that team. We should be doing that. We should not be sitting, playing nil-nil games you know, most of the season and either winning in the last minute or losing in the last minute, um, which seems to be the way. So... Um, yeah, like I said, I think it was it was a poor appointment. I don't think um, Spurs had him as a long term view any in any case. Uh, Levy probably thought it was a a, a no lose situation by putting in a clause that would see him sacked if he didn't make the top six. So either you come in and you make the top six and fantastic, you've done a great job, or you don't and you're like, well, um, you know, there's <laughs> it's not costing me anything because it's a clause in your contract. But see you later. But like I said, I think the timing works out. Conte is ready to come back into the Premier League. Um, United weren't biting, so Tottenham looked like a, a good option for him. So um, I think Jamie's words uh, ring true. You know, Wade, I, I want to come across to you. Uh, Ray, Rudd's raised a couple of, of valid points and maybe some that, that can be can be tested. Um, so, you know, Nuno at Wolves, you know, I think a lot of people actually held him in, in high regard, maybe outside of Wolves for the job he did there. Wolves were, a, you know, a perennial up and down, if if that yo-yo club, that really ultimately were quite um, in, unstable in staying in the Premier League. Um, he came in there, he had a, a good first season from memory, um, and basically solidified them in, in, within the Premier League for a while. Now, potentially, they probably needed to change manager in order to get to that that brand of football that maybe that they they wanted. I, I just I look at the the Spurs position, you know. They win their first three games. This guy's manager of the month, guys. We're talking about a guy that was named manager of the month in August and is sacked in October, right? Number one. Number two, a couple of results didn't go their way. They, they're only five points off the top four. So if you look at results base, 10 games in, five points off, it's not that bad. Um, I guess I want to shift gears and go Antonio Conte. Now, great manager, proven winner. The man has the lifespan of two years at every club he, he, he coaches at. Um, he comes in, he wins, creates a bit of a debacle, um, and he pisses off. Now, the way I look at it, and this is where I have the question for you, Wade, is Antonio Conte the right man for Spurs? I look at it and I see two transfer windows that he has, given his run and reign that he has within clubs. This guy does not last longer than two years at a club. Is the Are, are Daniel Levy and the guys saying that the current Spurs squad is capable of not only pushing the top four, but challenging for the major honours. And how does Conte go about doing that within a two-year cycle, which is effectively what he manages with pretty much every club he's been at? Yeah, it's a good uh, a good question. And um, <clears throat> it's interesting because uh, I think a lot of it is going to come down to the conversation that was had between Levy and Conte. Um, <clears throat> obviously, they went, uh, they had conversations in the summer. 
uh, and things didn't obviously work out for whatever reason. So what I really want to know is what's changed between then and now, you know, um, there's obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, sorry. There's obviously been uh, some promises made. We know Conte, if, if he's not happy with what management is saying, he doesn't budge. You know, he's got his principles. He sticks to it. Um, you saw it at Inter. He won the league um, and then they wanted to sell players. They didn't want to invest and build on that. And he walked. Um, and that's what he does. I think he did a similar thing at Juventus. Um, as soon as things started going wrong with upper management um, and, you know, the best interest of the team in winning football matches wasn't put first, um, he walks. You know, he's about winning football games um, and he's about improving teams. So it'll be very interesting. Daniel Levy is obviously known to be a bit of a character as well, uh, very strong headed. Um, so. You know, they've obviously had conversations. He's obviously heard something that he thinks is going to benefit um, himself, is going to benefit the team moving forward. Um, and I guess that's what it's going to come down to. You know, I don't know how much business you can do in January. Um, you know, there's been a couple of good signings that teams have made here and there, but it's very hard to attract top players in January. So it's going to be interesting to see how he goes for the rest of the season. Um, obviously, with this track record, you're expecting a bounce. Um, you're expecting an improvement. I mean, you look at some of the performances recently under Nuna. I'm just looking at the, the stats again on the weekend, and they had no shots on target again, you know. Um, and that's not the first time that's happened. Uh, you know, look at all the, the London. They haven't won a London derby this year. They've lost to everyone. Um, that derby that they lost against us, obviously for us, it was great, but you know, it was probably the most one-sided North London derby I've seen in a long time as well. So some of the performances have been dire. I mean, I know it is, you know, still early on in the season. As you mentioned, they had a really good start. Um, he did a great job at Wolves, um, stabilized the club. But I think Rudd's made a really good point. You know, they invested well. They brought some really good players in. And you weren't seeing the improvement. It's a, it just became stale under him and, and you thought maybe coming to Tottenham that, you know, he would he would revive them a little bit and, and you know, revive himself, I guess, in a sense. But it's kind of just carried on from where he left off at Wolves. It hasn't improved. The football's boring. Um, and I, I, I thought Mourinho wasn't the right appointment for Spurs when he came in because you went from a manager that was very much attacking, wanted to play on the front foot, you know, wanted his, his teams to create chances. And you go from that to a notoriously pragmatic manager in Mourinho, um, which obviously didn't work out. And then you kind of replace him with someone who's, I guess, in a sense, Mourinho light um, in Nuno. So um, I think Carragher worded it perfectly. It wasn't the right appointment to to begin with. Um, and I think Rudd's made some really good points there as well when you look at what he did at Wolves. Like, he just didn't kick on when the investment came. So... I think it is the right decision as well. Um, I would have liked him to continue only because I love to see Spurs suffering. Uh, but fans, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, to replace him with Conte as well. I mean, that's a manager I would have loved to see come in, you know, when Mikel came in. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And I think it's, it's going to come down to that relationship with Daniel Levy uh, as to how far he can actually take this team. I wonder. I wonder if Rudds, if promises were made by Spurs, that I think what will be interesting is to see how this all unfolds. Because Spurs, you know, Harry Kane to me is still once out of Spurs. I'm not sure if the appointment of Antonio Conte changes that. Um, simply because I don't think the man feels he's going to win anything there. They brought in Jose Mourinho. I'm sure Levy made promises that we're bringing in this world class manager and you will deliver for Spurs. Nothing came of that. You then go to Conte, who, you know, to an extent, you know, similar brand of football, maybe. He is pragmatic in his approach. He's not an attacking front-footed manager. Um, maybe he's an in-between. I don't know. But where do you see where do you see Conte taking this team? And do you think it changes Harry Kane's perceptions of, of wanting to stay there? Because, you know, if they lose someone like Harry Kane in, in the summer, um, what does that mean for, for, for Conte and his plans? I think, first of all, Harry Kane's not going anywhere if he continues to play the way he's playing. So th th there's no team that's going to take him on the form. Uh, um, you know, he's not looking like, like a player, let alone pay $150 million for him. So first thing Harry Kane's got to worry about is getting himself into form so he can get a move if that's what he wants. So that's the first issue he's got to worry about. 
if he he looks at what Conte is doing and he still wants to move and there's a big money offer that comes, then perhaps that's the, the, the trigger for Conte to say, I've got money to spend. And, and maybe that's what, what he's looking at. If not, and he stays, perhaps Conte can deliver something. So um, it's a tough one. Um, but yeah, I, I think it comes down to the... Uh, Kane's not in a position to be demanding anything at the moment. Uh, he'll need to get... You, know, you compare his form to Salah. You know, Salah can, can demand to be paid the most money in the league. You know, if Kane has started the season in, in a way Salah has, this will be a whole different conversation. Um, and we'll be saying he's got to leave and he can, he can take take his pick. In terms of the demands by by Conte, I suppose there's two ways to look at it. One is maybe Spurs stepped up and and have made promises in terms of the demands he, he has. Or there's been a couple of jobs that have come and gone for Conte that he hasn't been considered for. Maybe he's not as big a pull that he thought he was. So, you know, the Real Madrid job came and went. The Barcelona job came and he wasn't considered. The the United job, he put himself up for there and they're and, and they stuck by Oli, where it could have been very easy for him, you know, if they felt Conte was the right man to, for them to go there. So he, he's got to back himself now. So I suppose maybe his demand's lower um, given his positioning in the market. I understand, you know, a few months ago coming off winning the, the league off Juventus for the first time with Inter and the achievement, you would think the suitors would be lining up. Conte is the man, but they weren't. So I, I don't know who held the power in those in the second round of negotiations. I think the first round definitely Conte, um, but it, I think there could have been a softening approach uh, from both sides. Yeah, look, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to move on from the segment because I think you guys have raised some valid points, but... You know, I will I will leave it here, and I will say, you know, Liverpool had a a a Brendan Rodgers moment, and I'm wondering if United have had an opportunity to have that moment and not acted on it, and now you have Antonio Conte, a world class manager who you've you've described him as, and probably last week you were saying the same thing that if he came to United you, you'd be happy. You know, mm-hmm. I think the opportunity may have been there. Um, I look at Spurs and I see a club that wanted him as the first option in, in the summer. Probably couldn't negotiate. Probably have to now pay overs to get him in um, and have got him in the door. And meanwhile, United are, are still with Ole. So we'll move on from that segment and maybe come back to it. But I do want to give a particular team um, some plaudits for what they did this weekend. So we might... Uh... I tell you what, guys, what a uh, what a result by Palace. They seem to be doing it every time uh, when it comes to City. And I think that's probably the third time they've beaten them under Pep's tutelage. Um, Rods, I'm surprised in the tipping you didn't go with them. They were offering $17 to one. I don't know if you saw, I've moved from last to top six. In that, by picking yeah. them, what a result by Palace um, to do it at the home of the champions. Wade, what did you make of that result? And uh, Patrick Vieira, uh, sorry, Patrick Vieira, should he have been appointed the Arsenal manager, perhaps? <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, I think you asked me that question a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of scoffed at the thoughts of even, you know, that, <laughs> that thought even entering your head. Um, no, but look, I'm obviously happy for uh, for Patrick. I think. We've mentioned it a couple of times now. We all had him as one of our favorites to get sacked. Um, you know, didn't see how he was going to turn the team around. Um, you know, you think of... Uh, the first thing I thought of, though, when I saw this result was that Andros Townsend screamer a couple years ago, you know, where it's like a, a 40 yard of left one foot of volley, top corner. Oh, ever. my gosh. Yeah. What a goal. Um, and they go on to win. I think they win 3-1 or 3-2 on the day. Um, at the Etihad as well, so it kind of kind of brought back memories um, of that particular, yeah, <laughs> of that particular game. So now, really happy for Patrick. Um, 
I'm, I'm talking about him like I know him, you know, that's just the, the Arsenal connection. <laughs> your but mate Patrick. Yeah, yeah, my Uncle, mate, uh, Uncle, Uncle Pat. Um, you know, I, w- I was obviously disappointed with the, our result against Palace. Uh, I came down very hard on uh, on Mikel after that game. Um, but to be, to be fair to them, they played well against us. They played really well against Chelsea as well. Um, up until the red card, I thought they really had a chance of getting a result at Stamford Bridge as well. Um, well, I'll and add they, to that. They played very well against Liverpool at Anfield. And I exactly. Think we only, we yeah. only put that game to bed pretty late. So, late on. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, I mean, you look at that and uh, he's starting to get some really consistent results. You know, um, he's got a he's got some young attacking players. Gallagher has been a standout in that team. You know, he just brings energy going forward. Um, Odson, Edouard has hit the ground running as well. Uh, looks like a really good option um, up front. And I think moving Zaha to striker on the weekend, I think, was a, a really good move. Um, you know, no one really saw that coming. So he's obviously got a bit of tactical nous about him, Patrick Vieira, that maybe we didn't give him credit for before. Um, and he's he's put in consistent performances against his big team. So I give him a lot of credit. Um, it does seem like Palace do have City's number over the last few years, but... Look, I think they they were they deserve their their victory on the week, and they were good value for it. And look, Rads, I wanna I wanna say like uh, we probably all got to eat a bit of humble pie here yeah, because we had Vieira high up on the mark, probably read into that first game and said, "Oh, they're done." I mean, look, Crystal Palace's record is not that great. They've actually only won two games. They've only lost two, but they've drawn a stack load, which says to me a team that I think Patrick Vieira is trying to make very difficult to beat. But at the same time, they do have a bit of an attacking flair. So is this Crystal Palace team on the cusp of of something? Or is it a bit of a false dawn that we're seeing? Yeah, and maybe they just, you know, every 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 big club has a team that is a, a hoodoo team. I think of um, of Liverpool, and in recent years, it's been Burnley. We just struggle to beat them. Um, perhaps this is just the the mark with, the, with Crystal Palace and City, and maybe we were reading too much into it. It could go either way, to be honest. They they could be uh, on the cusp of something, or they could be, um, you know, with the not being able to turn those performances into results in some instances where they have been the better team. I think of the Arsenal one as a clear example where you know he, he dropped to his knees with two points dropped. Um, you know, it's early. It's early in the season. We are pl- we are giving him all the plaudits that that he deserves. But the points is, is what you, what's going to keep you in the league. And, and how far are they from being sucked into a relegation battle if we're looking 10 weeks down the down the line? So um, what I will say is they pass the eye test and they play well. And that's all you can judge a team team on. We have seen some of these teams that have passed the eye test in the past. And I think maybe of, of Bournemouth uh, as one where, you know, they, they look good early on, but the, the longer it took before they, they were cementing and, and getting these wins, the the quality actually started dropping towards the end where the pressure starts to come in to think, well, we can actually go down. Um, and and it becomes a different ball game. But beating, beating Manchester City, one of the best teams in the league, it's got to do wonders for your confidence. They're playing with confidence. You know, Gallagher, the way he plays, there's so much energy um, that he that he has that second goal like a training goal um, you know the way they have they were composed and you think of a Crystal Palace team against someone else a few years ago where that may be something that was rushed and, and a wasted chance but they were very clinical at that moment and and I think all all, all um, props need to go to 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 Vera in, in what he's done like I said it's just the eye test for now but the more they get points. Uh, the more they get the wins, then we can start calling the real deal. I think um, I think the real answer to that question, um, Connell, is gonna gonna be next season. You know, regardless of how well he does this year, even if he gets a top ten finish, it's that second season where I think you can really start making a judgment because we've seen teams have very good first seasons under new management. You think Sheffield United recently, Leeds last yeah. year, etc. So I think next year is going to be the true test and then we can really start saying, all right, you know, he's really got something about him. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. But well, I you... suppose who who is doing the second season um, a hell of a, 
you know, in the opposite light to some of the others is Graham Potter, right? Yeah. So he's coming into the second season yeah. and he continues to fire. And that was that was a hell of a performance against Liverpool. Yeah. And, you know, like we were talking about Crystal Palace being upset about not taking three points, I think it's hard for Liverpool fans to say, you know, if, if Brighton had, had beaten them, they would have been well-deserved. So that is Absolutely. a good point for, for Liverpool. Yeah. That, that is a, a good point gained in that game. Oh, look, there's no, uh, you know, I won't hide from it. We were very lucky to even get a point in the end. Um, I thought we put the game to bed pretty early on and uh, we went completely to sleep. However, I will say once once we are stretched in midfield and unfortunately mm-hmm. it actually highlighted how much, I hate to say it, I really thought this guy would, would, would kick on, but he just hasn't unfortunately since his major knee injury. And I think Ox uh, Chamberlain is is done at the highest level. He just, he came on and that's effectively when the game changed completely. Once you had a midfielder, a midfield composition of Jones, uh, Ox Chamberlain and Hendo. So Hendo's fine, but those two, you got a kid and someone who's who's really not up to scratch in the current climate. Uh, uh, you know, Brighton were actually having a field day through our midfield. Yeah. It, it became a bit of a joke in the end where we were very lucky to get away with the point at Anfield. So... Yeah. Graham Potter has what? done absolutely brilliantly for them. Wait, can you mark this day down? The 3rd of November, 2021. Mm. Connell has complained about Liverpool squad depth. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I would not go that far. But we'll, have for... to, we'll have to revisit and uh, play play one of the, those infamous voice notes that <laughs> seem to come up every now and again. Huh? <laughs> Thanks. He, got, he got our number. We must, be, we must give him a bit of, bit of his own medicine. Uh, you've heard it first on the what, for, what the Football Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I have been paraphrased completely. We're going to shift over into our next segment. We hope you've enjoyed that one. We're going to move on to the next one. And with such an introduction, we're going to shift straight over into the Arsenal analysis. Um, Wade, your team is now unbeaten in seven games. You know, the three first, the first three losses were, you know, largely to the extent of players of unavailable through COVID, injury, whatever you want to call it. You know, you've lost to Brentford, an upstart team in the Premier League. You've lost to, obviously, the champions and, of course, you know, Tuchel's European conquering um, Chelsea. Um, and you've now gone seven games unbeaten. You're, you're in the top, top seven. Um, you're amongst it. You're looking top like six. a team. Top well, six. There you go. I, I stand corrected. The top six on the cusp of the great Ole and his uh, marching band. Um, and you're starting to look like a team. Arteta, you know, is, is talking about um, the, the, the process coming into fruition. And I, I do actually want to play something from Arteta from last season. And perhaps you can uh, dive straight in after this, Wade, and, and talk a little bit more to it. But I will play it live for you now. What's your message to those who, who may be doubting you a little bit after this season? Again, that they're entitled to, to opinions. The only way they can prove that is by the, having a team that performs on the pitch and that makes them proud. And that's the only thing that I can do. The only thing I have to be judging is, do I create the environment, the necessary environment for a top elite team to perform at the highest level and get everybody in the condition to give their best? And after that, do I get the best of the players that I have? The maximum, whatever the level is, do I get the best out of that? And this is how I judge myself. And at the end, outside the world, how I'm going to be judged is just with results. Nothing else. What we've done good before in the past, in the process, Ian, it's irrelevant. It's only what you get from that result when you are on that pitch. Yeah, I think um, he makes a really good point there. In regards to uh, creating that environment, and I think that's something that a lot of his doubters have haven't taken into account. You know, he came into a team where the environment wasn't right and hasn't been right for a long time. You know, you can go back to the last few years under Arsene Wenger, and it was a bit of a comfort zone for a lot of players. Um, you know, it was kind of the, the players really staring what was happening uh, on the training ground. You know, you had characters like Ozil, um, you know, uh, to a lesser extent, more recently, Gwenduzi, um, who just, they, they weren't characters, they weren't leaders who 
um, were creating a positive environment. And that was a big challenge that Mikel had, you know, and I always felt like we had to go back before we were going to go forward. And that's probably why I didn't judge him as, as harshly as a lot of players. Now, I know it's easy to look at the results that we had um, last year uh, and, and even, you know, the first few this year and say, well, that's not good enough. And it's not for a club our size. Um, but I think when you're just so focused on those results, you, you kind of fail to see what he's trying to build and, and the environment he's trying to create, which he spoke about there. And that has to be right first, you know. So he had to come in. He had to get the players um, that he felt would, you know, build up that environment and, and create that winning culture. And I think what we're seeing now is he's got a settled 11. He's got a settled back five by the looks of it. Um, another thing that was massively overlooked, which Mikel came in and changed straight away, was the fact that, again, going back to Wenger and definitely under Emery, we had a soft spine. We were so easy to break down. Teams used to create chances against us for fun. And I'm not just talking about the big teams. I'm talking about everyone. You know, it was so easy to score against us. And he came in and he instantly changed that. And that was a problem we had for years. And I think because he didn't have the attacking balance, right, and we struggled to create chances, especially last year, a lot of people overlooked that. You know, we did have one of the best defenses in the league last year. I think we had the third best defense when you look at how many goals we conceded. So he's built from the back. He's made us defend as a team. I mean, you can see now we're pressing as a unit. We're pressing from the front. We're pressing high up the pitch. We're putting teams under pressure, you know, and Leicester is a team that likes to get on the front foot and we pretty much suffocated them. They couldn't get, uh, they couldn't string a few passes together um, early on and we really took advantage of that. And now what you're seeing is um, our transition from defense to attack is a lot quicker. Uh, guys know where they should be. Uh, the, the passes from midfield are incisive. And I think Thomas Party in that midfield transforms us because once you can get a hold of that midfield battle, uh, it makes things easy. It opens up the game for everyone else. You see our fullbacks like Tavares going on crazy runs, um, getting forward. You know, Emil Smith-Rowe turning with the ball, running at defenders. So... I think now he's got that balance right in terms of attack, uh, which is where we really struggled last year. And as a result of that, we're getting the ball to our forwards more often. We're creating more chances and, and we're starting to score goals now. And I think that's the biggest difference you're seeing now uh, from what we saw last year where we were okay defensively, but we didn't quite have that balance going forward. I guess Wade has raised some valid points there, Rudds. You know, most managers, they tend to build their platform from the back making sure that the foundation is solid. I guess if you looked at Arteta and uh, some of the formations he's used since he's come in, uh, you've probably seen him set up in a 4-3-3, uh, a 4-2-3-1, um, various. But it seems like the the ultimate, he hinted at it early in September where he spoke about, especially the signing of Tami Yasu, who apparently they've been following for quite some time. Um, you know, talk about, spoke about his attributes specifically um, and what he can bring to the team. And it almost hinted towards more of a, a 3-4-3 formation where it allows those players to get into more advanced positions. So exactly to what Wade is saying, you know, shifting from that, building the foundation at the back, you know, third best defensive team when you consider where Arsenal were and I guess where they're going to now transitioning to that attack once you set that foundation. You know, are we seeing that 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 transition happen, Rudds? And, and do you think maybe we were a bit harsh to judge Oteta at the start of the season? Yeah, I think it's football changes opinions very quickly in a very short amount of time. So we can be sitting in in two weeks' time, and and it can be a, a different story again. So I think uh, it's best to maybe reserve some of the judgment um, for a bit later. I, I don't think Arteta should be under any pressure. I think um, we were maybe too harsh. And if you look at who was out at the time. He's got his team back. He's got who he wants. I think Tomoyasu has been one of their outstanding players. So he is a a, a wide defensive player who's got the attributes of a centre-back and can play as one of those back three. Um, and you see that when he is defending one-on-one, defending on the corners, he's the one that's attacking, attacking some of the big strikers. I think back to the Crystal Palace game, and I was impressed with the way he defended um, another game, maybe not a 
out of have, have gone the way you intended. But I was impressed the way he was defending one on one. I think sometimes it was against Benteke, uh, who's who's big and strong, and and he he puts that fight up. So I think he's been a fantastic signing for for Arsenal along with with Thomas Partey. So. Uh, you know the, the reliance on party. You know I think Wade's spoken about how transformative he is. Um, you know hopefully he stays fit so that Arsenal can can do as best as they can. I wonder what the ceiling is though for Arsenal um, and and what what that is. I think there's if you look at it realistically, where do Arsenal supporters see this going? I think. Top six would be uh, as best as you can hope for with the squad. There needs there'll need to be at some point some significant investment in the playing squad to to challenge in the top four. If not, it doesn't mean they'll never make the top four. They, they, there'll be those seasons where they perform out of their skin, but it may not be a consistent top four team. So that's something you've got to be prepared for as an Arsenal fan, unless they can uh, put forward some some investment. I suppose the one thing I worry about is they, they they've been starting really well and, and they did again in, again against Leicester as they did against Spurs, but once they've taken it that those two goals they they do drop off. I think they dropped off at a dangerous point this week. They, I think just before half time that Ramsdale save there were a couple of saves actually there was one I think it was who who was that shot that was a fingertip. Um, save from from Ramsdale. I think it was Iheanacho who had taken a shot and it ended up being a corner, but that was a massive save. Mm. And then you've got that best save of the season with um, the, the free kick from Madison. You know, one of those goes in, you know, you're now 2-1 and you're on the back foot. Different game. And, and it's a different game. So I think that's maybe a, a, a small concern um, to the, the way you drop off. But... Um, yeah, look, um, seven seven wins in a row. You know, third best defense just behind. I think it was at City and United um, in terms of defense. It hasn't worked so well this year for United um, in terms of their defensive record. But um, you know, the the more you too, keep too getting the points, the more you're going to be up there, and then the more you become more relevant in the conversation. And that's what Arsenal want to be. They want to be relevant in that conversation. I guess way to to maybe just to close it out, you look at you look at a couple of things, right? Arsenal's in the next five games um, or six games, should I say? You know, they have to travel to Anfield, they have to travel to Old Trafford, and they have to travel to Everton. Now, pretty tough places to go to at the best of times. Everton aren't in the greatest form right now, but generally a, a, a tough side to beat. I guess where where do you hope to be? You know, come that midway point of the season in 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 December, um, as a team, um, and as obviously as the club and the philosophy of what Oteta is trying to outlay, um, and do you, as Rudd said, you know, is top six the the ceiling for this season, or do you see Arsenal perhaps pushing a little bit further? Look, I said top six from the start. Um, you know, even after the three losses that we had, I know people were talking about us, you know, potentially not finishing in the top half of the table, um, which I thought was was very premature, considering that, you know, we hadn't even had our best 11 on the field yet. Um, I still think top six would be a good achievement for us. I think it's, I think it's really important that we get back into the Europa League um, just to attract at least a different caliber of player. Um, so I think that is realistic. Um, for me, yes, you mentioned, you know, some of those, those places that we have to go to. Um, what I really want to see now is I want to see consistency in performances. You know, if we can play, um, you know, to a similar level that we played against Leicester, um, and against Aston Villa, if we can see more consistent performances like that, I'm confident the results will come. You know, I think under Mikel, uh, the performances have been inconsistent, you know, and I think it's been a couple of factors which have influenced that and the fact that, you know, perhaps he didn't know what his best 11 was and he was trying to figure it out. He didn't quite have his players. He seems to be settled now on uh, a starting 11 or, you know, at least, you know, nine or 10 guys that are going to be starting every single game. And I think that's important to create that consistency. So what I really want to see, um, obviously I want to see us getting the results and, and picking up victories along the way. But I really want to see those consistency, uh, that consistency in the performances. 
Um, so I think as long as we can do that, we'll be okay. I think top six is definitely within reach. Um, you know, if we get anything higher than that, I think it's a bonus. And I think it'll mean that, you know, a team like maybe United haven't performed to, to the standard um, over the season. I think it's going to take a team like that slipping us for us to move further up the table. But, you know, when you consider that we're the youngest team in the league, um, you know, if we come sixth, I think that's a very good achievement. And, you know, Rod's touched on the, you know, the the signings and the fact that we will need to bring in a couple of big names. Edu spoke about that. Um, he did an interview, I think, after those three losses to just explain things. And he said, look, we've gone young. Um, you know, we've filled positions that we needed filling. For example, look at Tavares. You know, if, if Tierney went down last season, we were in trouble. We were in big trouble. Now, you're not really thinking of that because you've got a guy that can come in. The one, the one area I am concerned about is Thomas Partey. We are very short in that department. I think if he goes down, we're struggling. Um, so I think moving forward, now that we've got a base of young players, the plan will be to bring in a couple of big names here and there to complement those players. So hopefully we can continue to get that backing from the owners because I think what Mikel has done now is he's created a really good base. I mean, he's transformed this team in 18 months or the two years he's been here. It's in a much better position, even if he's not the guy long term. If someone else comes in, I think this team has got a high ceiling and the base is there now for us to really kick on. So hopefully we see that investment, um, but I think we're set up to to succeed moving forward. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Wade is pretty confident in where the process is going. So we'll see how it all unfolds as the season continues for Arsenal and their top six hopes and getting back into Europe. We are going to shift gears right now. And of course, we're going to enter the fans' favorite segment. It's none other than our resident trivia maestro, Rods. But what would a trivia section be without an introduction from out of this world? Yeah, that's right. You have entered the trivia twilight zone. Rods, what have you got to say for yourself this week? Let me guess. It's it's an easy one. Well, I don't think so this week. I think uh, I may catch you on a couple. There may be one without a result. Let's see how, how we go. Um, so, um, Pressure's on, Wade. At least he's not giving us false hope this week, yeah. huh? No, yeah. no, it's not false hope. Um, so the, the reminder of the score, Connor's got a two-point lead on, on Wade. Uh, it's, it's eight to six. Uh, but let's get it started, gents. So I was born in Belo Horizonte. I began my football <laughs> journey playing. <laughs> I thought that was like a maths equation or something. Belo Horizonte. What the hell? I'm not giving anything away. I began my football journey playing for Atletico Mineiro. I spent six years there before joining Porto Alegre in 2009. A year later. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to say it's Cristiano Ronaldo, and I hope it's not that. No. Okay. okay. A year later, I joined Internacional the club where I would make my professional debut. Uh, my debut came against Ceramica in the Campeonato Gaucho. My first professional goal came against my childhood club, Atletico Mineiro. I made 55 appearances for Internacional, scoring eight goals. In 2013, I made my move to Europe in a deal worth 15 million euros. I scored twice on my competitive debut against Conor Moretz Odessa. And a year later... Some of these names are hey, getting thrown out. Hey, wow. pulling these names from? I know he's really trying to throw the center. <laughs> a year later, after a friendly against Leon, along with five of my teammates, we refused to return to the club due to a crisis within the country. The club had agreed to move training grounds um, or, 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 or relocate the training sessions. And at that point, I was the first one to return. This is a, a current Premier League player, right? 
Yes, it is. Wait, I just want to point out, you know, you ask that question every Every week. week. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you know why? Because there's been some managers that have been thrown in. This, so I just want to make sure. Just making sure. It's a good, you know, it's a valid question because sometimes I get confused. <laughs> I made, now where was I? Um, so I made my debut for the national team in November 2014. It was a 4-0 win against Turkey. I've since played 21 games for the national team. In 2015, I tested positive for a banned substance in the sample that was collected during the 2015 Copa America. I received a one-year suspension from playing in Conobel, which was later extended by FIFA to include worldwide football. I returned to play in March 2017. In February so 2018... Sorry, just to be clear, that, that that was only international football he was banned from or all football? So all football, worldwide football, all football. So in 2018, in February, I scored my first goal in the Champions League. It was a round of 16 match against Roma. Later that year, I made a move to the Premier League in a deal with £47 million. I made my debut in a 2-1 win against Leicester. Firmino? My... Who was that? Firmino? No. no I scored my first goal in a 1-1 draw against Wolves. First scored my first goal in what? In a 1-1 draw against Wolves. It's definitely not Gabriel. It's not Jesus, no. The trophies I have won in my career include... There we go. I'm a two-times Campionato Gaucho winner. I don't even know what I've won is. the Ukrainian Premier League three times. Ukrainian? I've won the Ukrainian Cup. I'm a two-times Ukrainian Super Cup winner. Before moving to the Premier League, I played for Shakhtar Donetsk. In my current yeah. team... I am a runner-up for, for the Europa Cup. Lucas Mora? Europa League? No. No. Damn. I am a Manchester United player. <laughs> Fred. And I'm from Brazil. And it is Fred. Yeah, boy! <laughs> well, <laughs> I had to Jeez. say... <laughs> I knew it was. I knew it was Brazilian. I knew it was Brazilian ages ago, but I would never have thought of Fred. The moment you said Manchester United, that's who I thought of. There's only Brazilian, him and yeah. Alex Tellers. Alex Tellers. Well, there you have it. So it wasn't an easy one. Yeah, it uh, wasn't. It came down to, to, to the very, very last <sighs> few points. Wait, oh, check it. Check it. Three points left. <laughs> I need, to, ma I need to maintain that two-point gap, boy. That, I can't <laughs> let that thing the grow. Look, <laughs> the look on Wade's face when I said the Ukrainian league is like, I got it. I know who's coming from the Ukrainian league. I thought you had it. I thought oh, you had it. I knew it would be some sort of Brazilian that comes from Shakhtar for sure when I heard yeah, that. But I was thinking, yeah. ooh, ooh. So there's two There's two that could have come to mind. You know, so there's Fred as one. Yeah. The other would have, could have been Fernandinho. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Except okay. he doesn't score. Fernandinho left a year he earlier. Except doesn't score bloody goals, except, Fernandinho. Yeah. Except with Fernandinho, I would have... Um, maybe had a lot more trophies um, in, in yeah. the cabinets when I was going through that. So yeah. um, there you have it. There you have it. We move over okay. to um, guess the teammate. Hey, sta standards are dropping here. Yeah. We're moving to runners up in the Europa League and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I had tough. to try get a United O in there. That one <laughs> I think that was, that's the first. You know, we did Solskjaer before. So that's the second United. Uh, I think you need to stick United. to the generation that won things from United. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go. Um, you know the rules. I'll. I'll, I'll I'll spin off my teammates, and by the end of it, you you should be able to guess who I am. So these, I just want to, because there was one time you named them in club orders. This is in any discernible order. So there's not actually. I've I've updated my technique on this, so it's just an alphabetical <laughs> order. Oh, okay. um, he, keeps, so... <laughs> he keeps us on our toes. This trivia maestro, <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, so, so so I don't want to give it 
if I if I kept it in club order, I think it'll be too easy. Um, so oh, no. let's get alphabetical. We generally get it on the last <laughs> one in this case every time. You may not. You may not in this one. So just right, do it. Okay. And I think once I get through all 49... You know what? I do want end... to ask a question, actually, because this is a difficult segment. But on a yeah. scale of known, known being, I don't know, Bobby Firmino, Obama Yang, to a scale of unknown, as in the last person you picked, like, what was his name from West Ham? O- Oriela? Uh, yeah, Oriela. Where, where yeah. does this player fit into that? <laughs> He's not. He's definitely not in the Areola category. Okay, good. All, right. all, good. all our listeners will will at least have heard of him right. at one point. You might, you might, you might think, well, what, what's ever happened to him? Say so somewhere okay. in between. Is he still somewhere playing? Or you know that kind of stuff. But yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, so, let's so let me just ask this: Is he a current <laughs> Premier League player? <laughs> <laughs> Just to no, clarify. Yeah, they keep that one. He is in the Premier League. Okay, okay right. Cool. All right. Cool. Here we go. Adrian Mutu. Alessandro Costacurta. Alessandro Del Piero. Alvaro Recoba. Carlos Tevez. Paul David Pogba? Platt. No. No. no David Pogba. Platt. Did you just say David, David Platt? Platt. Jeez, David Silva. Platt. There's got to be a goalkeeper. Silva. This has to be a goalkeeper. Esteban Cambiaso. Fabio Cannavaro. George Weyer. Sure. Gianluigi Buffon. Gianluigi Buffon, sorry. Giorgio Chiellini. Hernan Crespo. Wait, I'll, you know what? I'll help us both out here. I'm getting a Italy Juventus link, is what I'm mm, seeing. Mm, mm. Okay. Francis Jeffers. Francis Jeffers. Francis okay. Leicester. Javier <laughs> Zanetti. Jeremy Aliadier. Okay. Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. Jermaine Pennant. Jeez, Arsenal. Arsenal. Jerome Boateng. Chelsea. John Hudson. Hudson, oh, West cool. Ham, England. As well, yeah. Julius Caesar. Not Mark Noble, no, no, of course not. Lee Dixon. Lee Dixon. Lee Dixon. Lillian Turam. How old is this? Oh, he must be like 80. Luis Figo. Manuel Almunia. Marseille Desai. Marco Materazzi. Fabianski. Mario Balotelli. Nigel De Jong. Nigel Winterburn. What? Paul Merson. <laughs> Yo, this is Paolo, ridiculous. Paolo Di Canio. Paolo Maldini. Pavel Nedved. Charisma. Roberto Baggio. <laughs> nah, go away. Nah, no way. The There's no yeah, way. That's was making up stories. Roberto Fascio. <laughs> no, no. I'm done. Donadoni. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. Rocco Sante Cruz. Shea Given. Yaya Torre. And lucky loss, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Hang on. Before you say this, I was named. Just, of course. I need to think about this. What the hell, bro? Um, Juan Mata. So, so what teams? What teams? What teams you'll have? No. Arsenal, Juventus, yes. Arsenal, Juventus, Juventus, Milan, Milan, Milan. Yes. Italy. No, sorry. No, no. City. Yes. I got the teams, but who the hell is this? Um, and where is he now is the question. Inter Milan as well. Inter. Oh, man. So he's played for Inter, AC, Juventus, Arsenal, City. Holy crap. And he's in the he's playing in he's a Premier League player right now. He has to be a goal. Listen, I'm telling you now he's a goalkeeper. They can't Patrick Vieira? It's a it goalkeeper. Patrick Vieira, who is still in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, yeah. I cannot say he's a player. I said he is in the Premier League. Hang on. Oh. I want to rewind and see. I'm going to pull this one you up for sure. Back. 
My exact wording was because I knew I don't want to trip myself up. I said he is in the Premier gonna... League. I wow, okay. Patrick Vieira. So no, he's, there's, he, a, there's he, an asterisk he, on that one. There, I'm sorry. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take the asterisk. I, I, I think uh, I think it was pretty factual. The teammates um, yeah. were widespread. Uh, I, I'm, I steered away from the obvious. The um, invincibles. The Henrys, yeah. the Bird Camps, uh, and so David forth. David so, Platt. Was he still uh, at the club when Vieira came? Wow. David Platt, um, Lee Dixon. Jeez. <laughs> no, I'm not um, happy. This is Paul, a definitely Paul a point. It was a tough <laughs> one. It was no, a tough no, one. No. And luckily for his Arsenal <laughs> tattoo that he got, that he got Patrick week. Vieira. I yeah, I had to. I had to, man. Gee whiz. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm very sure a few of our listeners would have got it. Um, um, Not if they were thinking players. This is under protest. I was just thinking players. I didn't even think. <laughs> well, well, you guys assume players. I, I did not say. I want All to, I I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and listen to what the question Wade asked and the way you answered it. And I'm going to replay and I, and it next week in the trivia week. Yeah. <laughs> I was very strategic. And you can replay it next week and yeah. you'll see that. And my I, I wording remember, was... I remember what Rod said. He said he's in the Premier League. That's what he said. I remember <laughs> now. Actually, he said that. It's coming so back to yeah. me. I don't know. Yeah, it's coming if, back if, to if me. If I said, no, he's a manager, then I I, I think um, we wouldn't get too far. I think True. after a couple of names, we would all get it. So there's, there's not many managers to choose from in the league. So... Um, so your key words were he's in the Premier League. Okay. He's in the Premier yeah. League. No, anyway. I, I, I do remember you saying that now that I think about it. So, <laughs> he wants the point. Yeah, he, he just wants the point. I, don't worry, I will, I will check this. I will check this. <laughs> yeah, well, well done, gents. Yeah, another, good another good week. Yeah. Well done, well done. Uh, good way or controversial way to end our trivia segment, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You decide at home. Let us know your thoughts. Tell us if you actually got the answers. Um We'll be sure to post the episode on our platforms this week on Twitter, on Facebook, and of course on Instagram. But we're going to shift to our final thoughts now, gents, and think about what are we looking most forward to. Obviously, Rudd's Champions League is over for you guys for another week. You survived by the skin of your teeth. For mine, it's obviously again, again. You know what? They are making some hard work of a relatively straightforward group. But anyway... Mm -hmm. um, the Battle of uh, Anfield. It was this fixture, if you guys remember, nearly 18 months ago that uh, the world ended pretty much. It was the last football game that took place before COVID uh, really took um, the world by storm. So a lot of emotions, I think, going into tomorrow's game with Liverpool and Atletico. I mean, that's an emotional game as it is because of the two managers are absolutely psychotic at the best of times. Um, so look, a cracking game tomorrow morning, probably a must win maybe for Atletico Madrid or a must not lose at least at a minimum, um, for Liverpool, they probably got a free hit tomorrow, but I would imagine Klopp wants to, uh, solidify the place with two games to spare. And then of course, shifting to the weekend for Liverpool, um, you know, I think the big game this weekend is obviously down at, uh, Old Trafford, is it Rudds? It's, Back, yeah. at Old Trafford, yeah. Back at Old Trafford. Old Trafford. You don't want another 5 0 ass whooping from one of your rivals. Um, and if you play like you did against Atlanta again, you're, you're probably going to cop a bit of hiding from City. So I definitely think that's the game of the weekend to watch out for. Obviously, I'll be keeping an eye out for Liverpool as they take on a very, very, very tough fixture in West Ham. Um, but no doubt that the, the, the fixture of the weekend is that nice early kickoff. On Saturday in Australia, 11.30, United versus City. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Another Ole Gunnar Solskjaer masterclass. He's going to need it because I think anything but. If he does get us another smacking, he, it's going to be untenable. So the you watch the game today and you look on with amusement at times at the lack of cohesion, you know, I don't think it's unfair for us as United fans to say this is definitely the best squad we've had since Fergie. So you're looking at what the performance performances are, uh, are and, and you you laugh at times to say how poor this guy is in terms of setting his team up. So, you know, um, Rafael Varane went off uh, injured, so that's going to be a big blow for the game. 
uh, I still hope he beats it. Yeah, I don't hope. I, I, I'm not one of those that hope he loses so that uh, he, he loses his job. Oh, I hope that we lose. I hope that if the no matter the result, the way we play governs what happens with him ultimately. It just may mean that it, it may be more delayed in terms of the action. But if the performance is not good enough, as soon as there is the right man for the job, they'll make that move. So, in, you know, with Brendan Rodgers and Klopp, you spoke about that earlier. Timing is important. Um, Conte may, may, may or may not have been the the right man. I think what Conte definitely would have been is maybe the short-term man. And maybe that's not what we wanted. So I'm calling bullshit, see. yeah, and I'm saying you want your team to lose. You just don't want to go on air and say it. No. No, I want us, I want us to beat Man City. I want, them, want us to beat, us, beat, him con, beat them convincingly, get us back into the top four um, and back into the title race, to be honest. Um, so that's what it, that, you, that, that's you, how much is sir, on the line. You, we we sir, can go from, romantic, we can I'll go from <laughs> total, total, total crisis to, hang on, we just beat City. Hang on. I just, do you know this saying? My wife often tells me this when I try and get my own way. She said, Listen, Connell, you can't get your bread buttered on both sides. And this is exactly <laughs> what you are trying to do, Rads. You are hedging your bets in every corner imaginable. Oh, my. Look, I've, I've got on record. I said before, I hope I hope Ollie turns it around. I hope he makes me eat my words and my Christmas hat. And he's lifting the Champions League trophy at the end of the season. I've said it on the show. Uh, and I'll say it again. Oh, that audio so. will definitely come back out. Yeah, and, oh, and, no. and, and if he doesn't, and the performances don't show, you, you must go. But I do want to throw out a couple of... A shout outs um before I hand over to Wade. So um there've been some some good performances this week. Uh, United Ollie Ollie was desperate and that was a good performance. So as much as Spurs were poor, I think United were were really good. But there were other other really good performances. We really spoke about Brighton uh, at at Liverpool yeah. and and we spoke about Crystal Palace. Give a shout out to David Moyes and his West Ham team mm. and how they continue to, to fire. And then yeah. and then Chelsea, who just keep doing the job, utterly dominant again against a Newcastle team. And Reese James, you know, playing like a striker. Mm. Um, those finishes were were incredible. You know, uh, I don't even think Lukaku could hit them that sweet. So um that, that, in terms of my play of the week, I did mention him before. Um I, I, we speak about how goals change games and how players change games. And, you know, you, you score a couple um, and you, as Reese James did, and, and, you, and you, you go into that shortlist. But for me, it's actually Aaron Ramsdale today because I think he secures that game for Arsenal. I think those are massive saves. And if, if he, you know, you let them in, we, we could be talking about a different scenario altogether. And, yeah. and we could be talking about Arteta in a different manner all over again. So he's my player of the week. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think that just, you know, shows the fine lines, especially in the Premier League. You know, um, games hinge on those moments. And, you know, Leicester mm -hmm. on the front foot at the time. So, yeah, he was huge. I'm surprised you didn't call out Wolves. I thought they performed really well against Everton. They got a... I know they're one of your favorite teams this year, Rads. Um, they put in a really I, good performance. I didn't watch that game. I was traveling from Sydney. Yeah. I was driving, so... They were really um, good value for it. Yeah. I did I did catch most of it, so they performed really well. Um, but yeah, I think this, this week all eyes are obviously going to be uh, on Old Trafford uh, to see how things uh, turn around. Uh, because I, I think that Palace result last week uh, is a dangerous one for United because, you know, City are known to bounce back. You know, Pep doesn't often lose two games in a row. So he's going to be looking for a big response this weekend from the team. So, um, you know, as as sweet as it would be to see City uh, trouncing United this week, um, I don't know. I don't know. I've kind of got mixed feelings about this one because I, I'm Ole in. I'm definitely Ole in. I'll tell you so what. We all the best manager, the best manager in the world, without a question, is Ole when his job is on the line because yeah. he always pulls yeah. that result. He so, somehow gets yeah. the results for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So we'll see what happens uh, this weekend. But I think West Ham Liverpool is going to be another cracker. I'm interested to see how Liverpool bounce yeah. back. Um, after that performance against Brighton and West Ham, like you said, they're playing 
They're playing some really oh. nice stuff at the moment. So away at West Ham yeah, as well. I suppose. Away. I, think I, I just feel a little bit with uh, when you're playing Thursday nights with as West Ham are. Yeah, um, and could play against to, them. Yeah, to play a game. Um, so that's um, that's going to be interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah. As well, yeah. yeah. And then um, I'm also looking for us to put in another good performance. We've got Watford this weekend. We're on the we're on a good run. Um, so I really want us to you know win convincingly this week and you know go into it's the international break after this weekend again, isn't it? So unfortunately, um, yes. Yeah. So you know if if this would be a really good uh, run of games for us, um, if we can end with a, a good result against Watford, so. Yeah, some interesting games to look forward to. But yeah, I guess yeah, all eyes will definitely be on Old Trafford. So uh, let's see how we go. Ole's at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and Ole's at the wheel. Thank goodness he is not at the wheel of our podcast. You are in the safe hands of Conway T. He's co-host Rods and Wade. It's been another great episode. I do want to give a quick shout out. Team of the week for me, Crystal Palace. And player of the week for me, Rhys James. What a double. He is certainly... Um, getting very close to Trent as a, a brilliant attacking defender. And you know what? He might actually be actually better defensively than than Trent. Yes, I said it on record, but not quite there in the attacking sense yet. So Trent does edge him there. As I said, a brilliant episode. Thanks, gentlemen. We hope that you viewers at home all across the world, to all our listeners, we have plenty few in America, a few in the UK, a few in Europe, and even in South Africa, and of course, Australia and New Zealand. We thank you for joining us. Another episode of What The Football Podcast. Catch our episode on Apple Podcasts and, of course, Podbean. And you can catch us on all the platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next week, we will see you then. Enjoy the football. And thank you for joining us for yet another week of What the Football Podcast.